Hello, welcome to Warhorn Media's podcast of Out of Our Minds blog posts. This is episode 63. This episode is titled Melchizedek and Jesus. It is by Alex, Pastor Alex McNeely, and I am your reader, Tim Bailey. The date of the post is January 26, 2023. Alex writes, Finding the time to write regular monthly content in this way has proven to be a challenge. It's been several months since my last post, and there is a link here online to his last post. One reason for this is that I've been writing more material for our local church. In particular, my fellow pastors and I have given an open invitation to our members to ask any question related to our regular reading of Scripture together. Our church is currently following a two-year adaptation of the classic McChain plan, and a link there to the church and to the two-year adaptation of McChain's scripture reading plan, which you could avail yourself of if you went online. This has created wonderful opportunities to study and grow in my own understanding of scripture and then to help our people grow in theirs. Of course, that study takes time. And I've considered giving up writing to this email list. But after talking with my senior pastor, Joseph Bailey, we thought it would be worthwhile to reproduce content here from what we've been giving our church. That way, if I'm unable to get to writing a new article on worship for this list, I will plan to share with you something I've written for our church members. Considering the all-encompassing nature of worship, whatever I send will likely have something to do with worship anyway. Here's one of our recent Ask the Pastors questions, and the answer we gave. May it strengthen your devotion to worshiping the Lord Jesus. And then the question was this. In Hebrews 6, 19 through chapter 7, verse 3, though really the whole of chapter 7, A comparison is made between Melchizedek and the Son of God in that, quote, he remains a priest perpetually, unquote. First, I am ignorant of who exactly Melchizedek is in the Old Testament. Also, I would like to know more about the significance of the comparison between Melchizedek and Jesus. It seems like there is so much significance in this passage, and my brain is only kind of scratching the surface. And then here is the answer that Alex has written. Wonderful question. The author of Hebrews obviously wants his readers to understand that this connection between Jesus and Melchizedek is very significant. And you're right that the significance has many layers. Subheading, Mysterious Melchizedek. Historically speaking, there really isn't much to know about Melchizedek. He only shows up in one very brief episode in Genesis chapter 14, 
just after Abram defeats Keterlomar, king of Elam, and the alliance of other kings who had captured Abram's nephew, Lot. Melchizedek appears and does three things. Number one, he dishes out bread and wine, verse 18. Sound familiar? Number two, he pronounces a blessing on Abram, verses 19 to 20, the faithful father of all God's covenant people. And number three, he receives a tithe from Abram, likely a tithe of everything Abram owned, verse 20. Then, as quickly as he arrives on the scene, Melchizedek disappears without a trace. We may find it disappointing that we don't get more information about this mysterious man, but the mystery surrounding him is actually part of the point. Hebrews 7 verse 3 tells us that he is, quote, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually, unquote. This could mean that Melchizedek had some sort of supernatural origin, and perhaps that he literally bypassed death, like Enoch or Elijah. However, I find it more likely that God intentionally concealed information about Melchizedek's lineage, so that he would appear to us as having no origin, and thus would stand as a type of Christ, the Son of God in the Old Testament. Here's how John Calvin puts it, quote, For since the Scripture, by assigning no end to his life, leaves him as if he were to survive through all ages, it certainly represents or shadows forth to us in his person a figure not of a temporal, but of an eternal kingdom. We could speculate about whether or not Melchizedek really had parents, and about whether or not he died, but those questions are beside the point. The fact that he is presented to us in God's Word as having no traceable lineage is in itself enough for him to prefigure Christ's supernatural origin. And God's withholding any record of Melchizedek's death typifies for us the Son of God's eternal existence and power over death. Subheading Psalm 110 and the Priestly Messiah Melchizedek is only mentioned in one other Old Testament passage, Psalm 110. This messianic psalm carries much significance in the New Testament, especially in demonstrating that Jesus is the Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One. Jesus himself quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, when he challenges the scribes and Pharisees with this question. He says, quote, How is it that they say the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore David calls him Lord. And how is he his son? That's Luke chapter 20, verses 41 to 44. The answer is that Jesus is the Christ, the promised son of David who came after him, as well as the promised son of God who existed eternally before him. It's the same psalm which is cited in Hebrews 7, verses 17 and 21. 
quote, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 110, verse 4. What does it mean for Jesus to be, quote, a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, unquote? Subheading Melchizedek as priest. If we go back to Genesis 14, verse 18, we see that Melchizedek was, quote, a priest of God most high, unquote. This is significant because it is the very first place in the entire Bible where the word priest occurs in Hebrew. In other words, Melchizedek's priesthood is the first formal priesthood we are made aware of in all of Scripture's accounting of human history. In particular, it's a priesthood which far predated God's establishment of the priestly tribe of Levi for the nation of Israel, which is what the author of Hebrews focuses on. As God's apostles began to proclaim that Jesus was, quote, a great high priest, unquote, Hebrews 4, verse 14, the natural question from the Jews would have been, how could Jesus be a priest? Quote, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests, unquote, Hebrews 7, verse 14. Every Jew new priests were supposed to come from the tribe of Levi. The answer is that Jesus is of a priesthood which transcends the priesthood of Levi, a priesthood which existed long before Levi was born. This teaches us that the Levitical priesthood was never intended by God to be an ultimate priesthood. In truth, it existed to point to an even greater priesthood, one that lasts forever. And when Jesus came and fulfilled his superior priestly calling by sacrificing himself for the sins of his people, the Levitical priesthood faded away and became unnecessary. Abraham, the ancestor of Levi, demonstrated his allegiance to this superior priesthood when he paid a tithe to Melchizedek. The author of Hebrews even claims that Levi, in a manner of speaking, paid tithes to this great high priest while he was still in the loins of his forefather, Abraham. And thus, even Levi, who was designated by God to receive tithes under the Mosaic law, also paid tithes to demonstrate the preeminence of a greater priesthood, the priesthood of the Christ, as prefigured in Melchizedek. So preeminent was Melchizedek's priesthood that he himself is considered, quote, greater, unquote, than Abraham. The author of Hebrews argues for this comparative greatness by highlighting the fact that Melchizedek was the one who bestowed a blessing upon Abraham, not the other way around, Hebrews 7, verse 7. This is amazing if we think about it. Greater than Abraham? How is that possible? It's hard to imagine someone greater in the Old Testament than Abraham, the, quote, friend of God, unquote, James 2, verse 23, the one who himself was set apart by God to be a blessing to the nations. And yet, Hebrews teaches us that Abraham recognized his own subjection to one greater than he was. And thus, he made an offering to the priest of God, most high. And in doing so, 
He testified to the truth of Jesus' seeming paradoxical statement of his own eternal greatness, quote, before Abraham was, I am, unquote, John 8, verse 58. Even as Jesus is both David's son and David's Lord, he is both Abraham's descendant and Abraham's Lord. When we're told that Jesus is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, we're not to understand that Melchizedek is the head of a priestly line that has been handed down to Jesus in some way that makes Jesus subordinate to Melchizedek. No, even Melchizedek's priesthood was a shadow of Christ's perfect, eternal priesthood. Subheading Melchizedek as king. Hebrews 7 verse 2 tells us that Melchizedek means, quote, king of righteousness, unquote. This is because the name is literally a combination of two Hebrew words, Melech, which means king, and Sedea, which means justice, righteousness, rightness. Furthermore, as he is identified in Genesis as, quote, the king of Salem, unquote, and Salem comes from the Hebrew word for peace, we are told that he is, quote, the king of peace, unquote. It is generally accepted there, there is some connection between this place, Salem, and what would become the city of Jerusalem, which further intensifies Melchizedek's foreshadowing of Christ, who himself would ride into Jerusalem as its coming king. In Melchizedek, we have a glorious joining of the offices of priest and king, something that would wait hundreds of years to reach its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the priest king who redeems his people and reigns over all things. Through Melchizedek, God reveals himself and a shadow of his plan to his friend Abraham. And through Melchizedek, God gives us a glimpse of the riches of his kindness and wisdom in sending Jesus Christ to be our great high priest. Hebrews 8, verses 1 and 2. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. Thank you for listening. Do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast. Two, tell your friends they can now subscribe to audio recordings of Warhorn Posts. We depend on you as our only marketing. Until our next post, stay warm, devote yourself to loving your neighbor, and love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. This is Tim Bailey saying thank you for giving us a listen. Goodbye. In times of trouble, proudly the wicked pursues the poor. By his own plots, Lord, let him be surprised. Rise up, O oh Lord.
ghosts of his heart's desire. See.